So I'm here with Dorlor, the CEO of SillaDB. And we're here to talk about, you know, all the fun stuff that they're doing over there and also talk a little bit about his journey and why he started the company. So, Dor, how are you today? I'm great. Uh, nice to... Thanks for having me here and uh, looking forward for our chat. Okay, great. And so I know that your background is very development-centric. So you did you start as a developer? I see you were an engineering manager and you were deep into the Linux kernel for a while. So, so how did you get your start? Um, so I'm an engineer. Uh, I went to kind of a, the Israeli Technion Institute, which is like our MIT. And actually it's nice because I went there in order to, it's the best institute in Israel, but I went there in order to network with people. And it really worked out well because uh, I, I met there a bunch of people that I worked with in my first startup. And uh, it didn't go that well. It was a terabit router company. But, okay. Uh, what really went well is that I have friends. It, it goes back 20 years back. So have lots of friends from that endeavor. And uh, currently happened to be that I have three people who went with me to university for my, uh, first degree and master degree there who are at Scylla, the, the VP of engineering, the VP of product, and another really good developer. Uh, all we learned together. So uh, and that's, that's always kind of, a uh, my background. And that's a really good way, right? So once you start to know and trust someone, we see that a lot where you want to work with people who you can trust, who you know, and who have good knowledge and, and can work together. So once you build that rapport, it's it's a very good thing to be able to bring those people along with you. And, you know, going from that startup, you, you ended up at Red Hat and you actually worked in the kernel virtual machine um, and, and, and uh, you know, worked as a platform virtualization uh, director. I mean, how did you kind of jump into that open source space with Red Hat? I mean, that that, that seems like a uh, an interesting move from an engineer having your own startup. You kind of jump into Red Hat for a little bit. Uh, what was that like? Um, so, so initially, it wasn't my own startup. I joined as an, an employee, and I coded and uh, did a bunch of stuff. And I did try to have my own startup back then in 2003, but uh, oh, four. But uh, I didn't have the credibility to get money, uh, okay. so I had to wait until the KVM project was successful in order to be able to easily get funded. So K KVM was helpful, but uh, the way we got into uh, KVM was uh, a kind of a more of a eventual. Uh, I joined a company called Kubernetes, and with its name, it was supposed to be a network type of uh, device. And we pivoted, uh, we, we had to pivot three times. It was my school for pivots. And okay. uh, the, the second pivot was an idea that uh, Avi, my current CTO, uh, brought. It, it was really super cool, nice idea about uh, lockstep virtual machine execution for AJA with, with the Zen hypervisor. And we hit a wall with that project. It worked, but wasn't performing enough. And we had to pivot again. And then this is where Avi came up with a really new novel idea how to re-implement hypervisor from scratch using uh, the CPU technology. And that was the KVM hypervisor, which started to boom pretty quickly and was part of the Linux kernel. And uh, two years after we Avi scratched the idea, uh, Red Hat acquired the company and we spent there four years. Okay, and so that's how you ended up at Red Hat. 
And, you know, so you were at Red Hat for four years and then you had an itch to do something else. So so going from, you know, working on a hypervisor, working on the the, the, the KVM uh, to databases, what what inspired you to jump into the database space? That, that seems like a I mean, they're kind of in the infrastructure space, but it, it is a jump. It's a jump. It's a jump, and I can elaborate how it happened. Uh, basically, the, uh, being able to accomplish something like the KVM gives you a lot of uh, um, sometimes too much confidence, and sometimes in order to jump into the database, to be honest, you need to be more of a fool than than than, uh, than an expert because <laughs> you, yeah, you you may not know how big is of endeavor it is. Uh, so you're feeling too confident and you jump on it. Uh, but so, so just to be honest, that, that's, that has been the case. Uh, now, especially when a similar way to we were new to hypervisors uh, at some point too. It it's came th through a pivot and we learned the domain. Uh, this is how we, we were new to databases. And originally we founded uh, this company not around databases. So... It, because we weren't expert in database. What, what we wanted, the company was founded with the promise of uh, developing a new OS from scratch, you know, including our own kernel. So okay. uh, back in 20, uh, late uh, 2012, we identified that everybody ran just one workload inside their virtual machine. Uh, so like you, you get a full-fledged OS and you just run a single app, it doesn't make sense. So we we developed a new OS called OSV. It's a unicorn, unikernel. I'm sorry, not a uni, definitely not a unicorn. Not a unicorn. Not a unicorn. Not a unicorn. It, it didn't succeed. Um, and the, the target was to optimize an OS for just one task and to load it into the kernel space. Uh, so we developed that. It was an open source OS. That's how the company got uh, started. But uh, at the time, uh, Docker started to emerge, and, and Docker wasn't there when we did it. And uh, Docker was more of a mainline uh, standard to package and, and run apli virtualized applications in a different way. So Docker succeeded a lot. We haven't, and we needed to pivot. And one of the workloads that we wanted to show improvement was the, the Cassandra NoSQL database, because Cassandra was successful back then. It, it was around uh, the year of 2014. Uh, Cassandra was quite successful back then. Uh, so and we wanted to show the value that we give to Cassandra in terms of speed. And uh, while ROS, when it used to run up an application like Redis, we managed to boost Redis by 70%. Because oh, wow. We, okay. Yeah, we, we had our own specialized kernel and the the application was living in in the kernel's place, and we had our own network stack, our own TCP/IP. So it was really beneficial for a super simple and trivial application like Redis. In the case of Cassandra, it was the opposite. Uh, we didn't really move the needle, and something really looked wrong for us. First, it's like Java is a great language for management application, but a pretty wrong choice for infrastructure. It's just a big layer between you and the hardware. That, that's exactly the opposite of what we're, we were trying to do with that OS and also in the past. Uh, so that's one thing. And uh, also at the time, uh, Google published a Cassandra benchmark 
and, and they used uh, 330 uh, virtual machines to get 1 million operation per second, database operations. And we left Red Hat when the KVM broke the world record of 1.6 million IOPS operation with a single VM. Now, it, it's pretty apples to oranges because the, the IOPS is, is file system and, and, and database IOPS with replication, but still it's 1 to 330. And since we, we needed to pivot, we did additional market research and technology research, and we decided this is a big opportunity. Uh, the API and all of the promise of Cassandra looks really solid, and, and it has great things in it. Like the, It's the best platform with high availability and disaster recovery, uh, but, but, and it's like in terms of scale, all of the nodes are homogenous, and we really like the model. But we, we thought if we'll bring all of our experience, not in database, that we'll take a, a good database design from Cassandra, which is built on um, DynamoDB and big tables. And we'll just implement it uh, in the way that we used to implement things in OS and, and, and KVM, then we'll bring a lot of value. So that, that was late 2014, and that's exactly what we do since. Yeah, and what's really interesting is I just had a one another podcast with uh, Karthik uh, Raghunathan, uh, who was one of the key developers at Facebook of the original Apache Cassandra, right? So, and I asked him what, what if if he could go back and do anything again. He said he wouldn't have used Java, um, and, and so obviously you know there are some limitations with Java and the Cassandra, but it's really interesting that you brought a lot of the OS optimizations and techniques that you use to optimize the KVM and the kernel directly to the database. Um, that's a very unique pathway because many of the engineers who I've talked to, especially from companies that have designed and built databases, they come from the database base. They're not necessarily OS engineers. Um, and so, you know, what are some of, you know, you mentioned you had to pivot a couple times, but uh, was there was there anything that you found that, you know, you, you, you felt like, oh, if I only knew that when we started, it would have been way easier. This would have been a way easier project for us to get involved in. Um, it, it's not just one, it's, it's plenty. Yeah. Oh, uh, always, always. And uh, sometimes it's not just about us. I think it's also learnings that uh, 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 other vendors and, and uh, even entire communities uh, undergo like like things that are not purely in the database space like MapReduce. Initially, you think, oh, what a great idea, but then it's it's more challenging. So, uh, in our case now, for example, we're, we're doing a, a huge change right now. So, uh, so so we 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 mimic the the Cassandra functionality, and we we recently added the DynamoDB API. Uh, I, th I think maybe the DynamoDB API triggered a lot of things to it. So, A, first, many times it's good to be a, a latecomer because as a latecomer, you, uh, you can come late and, and review everybody's mistakes and take the best and, and try to improve when... So you're not, you don't necessarily need to be the smartest, you, you just get the experience of others. Um, so we're trying to do to do exactly that. And uh, for example, with the uh, change data capture, so 
Cassandra basically doesn't have a change of data capture. They just uh, uh, kind of a piggyback on the commit log, but it's a horrible solution. It, it doesn't have a, it doesn't take in mind replication and uh, it, it's super hard to consume it. And on the, on the other hand, DynamoDB has a pretty good uh, stream processing, Dynamo Streams, which is a change data capture, and they did it the right way. And you can, uh, it's fully, you can consume it in a fully replicated way, and you get to, to also get to decide when, whether you, you want the key, the data, the previous data. So we took the Dynamo idea, bolted on, on, on our implementation with improvements, uh, so our chain data capture is, is a table. So we, since we came last, we, we got advantages uh, uh, because of it. But uh, for, for example, something else that we do now, which is a completely big revolution, is um, we're re-implementing basically everything using the RAF consensus protocol. So okay. traditionally, we, we mimic the Cassandra eventual consistency, mm -hmm. uh, which, is, which of, course, of course is a trade-off. And I always tell my engineers that when they go to implement the best solution, I tell them, go back to Cassandra. If you take a weird concept like eventual consistency, uh, we wouldn't have invented eventual consistency because it, it looks somehow wrong but it has a lot of benefits too uh, in terms of high availability and uh, partition tolerance all that so we get to benefit of it but now with um, a, by, by implementing raft we'll be able to allow uh, everything to be consistent without performance penalty uh, so that's that's a huge change for us it's also super complicated in the way we do sharding and we, we kind of do it very late in the game after six years of development and this thing is goes across the board it's not just the consistency that we provide to the end user but also basic things like a topology agreement uh, and uh, and schema uh, schema based transactions that, that are not in Cassandra or not in Ceylon now after we have a lot of experience and now finally we have also more time after we we, we managed to uh, be on par with the API now we can take it to the next level but if we would have started with this knowledge like going back to 2014 we would have started with it to, to begin with and I think that that's one of the interesting things that you see um, there's a rush often to develop the new cool thing, the new feature. And there's definitely benefits when you are the first to have something, but there's a lot of drawbacks as well, because um, a lot of times you're blazing the trail and that can open yourself up to, you know, bugs or, you know, reputation problems. There's a lot more risk. And it seems like, you know, being a little bit behind and, and focusing on the best solution enables you to ensure that the features that do come out are more polished and ready to go. I mean, is that is that what you're seeing as well? Like you're getting things that, oh, this is how this other place did it. You know, they used Raft, so let's do that because they've proven that it works. They've solved that problem. Is that kind of how you, how you work from an engineering perspective? You look at those? It, it was less kind of, um, uh, it, it was less uh, 
uh, a decision that we've made. Uh, not only it was more for lack of choice because uh, uh, mm. we we came not just a little bit behind, but we, we came after uh, everyone had their own NoSQL solutions uh, it, and they were relatively uh, mature. So we have to just rush and go and implement everything. And initially it's very helpful because you don't necessarily need to make a lot of decisions. You, you need to make decisions in terms of the underlying implementation, but not the API. So it's relatively easy and it allows you to move fast and also to do things better. Um, but but uh, but now it's now that we're kind of a met, accomplished the API of Cassandra and the API of DynamoDB. Now th this is where it gets complicated, and we create new APIs, and, and that's th that's a harder job to be the first person uh, that ever to toys with uh, with new features. Uh, but but it's also interesting and cool. So oh yeah oh yeah definitely. So you know you guys have gotten um, a, a much um, a, a lot of, of press around some of the performance that you have done. I've seen some some numbers that you've thrown out there on you know the scalability and how you've helped certain customers you know achieve that. Um, you know it seems like you know scalability and and performance is often desired, but it but it's often becoming a lost art in a lot of databases because. Um, you know, people are more comfortable just paying more and trying to use the easy button on the cloud or wherever, like, oh, let's just add more hardware. Let's add more, add more, add more. Um, so maybe tell me a little bit about, like, from a performance perspective, what are you seeing in the market? Like, are, you know, the customers that you're, 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 you're showing on your website and that you've done press releases on, it, you know, they've seen some pretty staggering improvements uh, in performance. Um, you know, has that focus on performance done, you know, uh, uh, well for you? Is, is that something that you're seeing, you know, the market start to like look at, okay, performance does matter again? So it, it all started with, uh, our approach was all started with performance. Yeah, so uh, so we're very focused on performance, but it's it's not just performance that we focus on. So I'll, I'll split my answer to two. Uh, okay. Uh, a performance matters, but 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 it also needs to be uh, it, 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 it not everywhere. If if performance doesn't matter, like everywhere where users have a low amount of volume, I tell them go ahead use relational database. It's uh, it's not an it's not a big data problem. Go ahead and, and solve it with a better tool that offers better flexibility. Sila uh, as as much as we try to do tons of good things. Uh, relational services uh, are better for for smaller databases uh, if they can be a good match for big data sets even better but uh, they cannot so they break at some point so if, if you do need if you in many companies today since data explodes all the time then they do need to have a, a to deal with the large data sets, with, uh, with so sometimes performance can be throughput, can be latency, and can be very large data volume. And some databases cannot scale at all, or some databases can scale, but it's become super hairy to scale them, and you need to maintain them a lot, and this is where they break. And sometimes it becomes too expensive. Uh, and, and, and sometimes the whole project won't have any meaning if, if, if it's so expensive. 
So performance solves you, this performance and scalability solve you this whole range. But we're really not trying, we did start with a performance goal because we wanted to improve a pretty good standard as Cassandra or as DynamoDB. But it's definitely not just performance. So we take a lot of pride, A, about simplicity. So Scylla is performance oriented, but in order to get it, the whole idea is to have great out-of-the-box experience. We have a shell script, which is the installation tool, that you just run it and it automatically configures all of the right kernel settings, all of the right OS settings. Uh, with one command, it creates a RAID device uh, with the right striping, uh, it, it configures NTP, uh, it, it does everything. And, and we even measure that tool runs a mini benchmark in order to evaluate the, the disk performance because one of the benefits of Scylla is uh, not, to, not to queue on the file system or on the disk, do the queuing uh, within Scylla so we can control and prioritize what's low latency IO and what's not latency sensitive. So our installation tool measures the disk performance. So we're trying to, and it's just one command that you run once and that's it. So simplicity matters a lot. I relate to it a lot. And also functionality like the CDC is it now is like super beneficial and, and you can hook a Scylla to Kafka super easily, etc., etc. And, and there's other features that are really important. It's not just about performance. Yeah, and we've seen like with the growth of the cloud, a lot of the cloud growth is because it's easy, right? People want to click the button and just have it work and have it set up and not have to worry about it. And the more you have to adjust by hand, it satisfies the engineers to have to do that. But we're seeing more developers not want to have to get down to that low level, um, which is a far cry from, you know, five, 10 years ago. And, and even when you started and when you worked at Red Hat and when you were doing KVM, it was probably a lot more hands-on in the weeds, in the, you know, the, the, the settings. Um, so I definitely uh, agree. And I've seen that growth in the easy side of, of, you know, desire to have things just kind of be the point uh, and click. Now, you know, I'm curious, you know, as you're talking with, with, with users and customers, what are you seeing start to see as the trends that they're experiencing that you're helping them with? Like, where is the market going? How is it evolving? Um, so it's pretty much relates to what you said about cloud and, and cloud and databases and services. Super beneficial and, uh, and, and people need that. And, and it's, one aspect is the ease of use of it but also the, uh, the core infrastructure needs to support that. So if you, a cloud user would expect elastic deployment, and, and this is a, a big trend. Yeah, you, 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 want, you want a distributed database of yours react uh, dynamically to load, whether it's a Black Friday or whether it's every day that uh, the night is, has less amount of uh, traffic and over the day there's more and ideally the database will react to it. And there's lots to be done, both in terms of ease of use, but also under the hood, because if you need a, 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 a flexible deployment, you'll always be moving terabytes of data around. 
Uh, and that's again goes back to having a, a perfect scheduler that can schedule low priority queries on top of uh, just streaming of terabytes of data that happen all the time. So we one trend so it, it's important. One trend is database and service. Another very good trend is uh, Kubernetes and, and like two years ago like people wouldn't do stateful applications with Kubernetes now uh, it, it's it's uh, it's possible and, and many go to Kubernetes route and, and use in Scylla with Kubernetes too so that's in, in oh are you seeing growth in that space so you're seeing growth in the okay okay um, we're seeing about a third of the, the the users out there starting to do that to use it for a database production workload um, so it's not the majority yet but it, it is moving in that direction yeah, I mean, to make I, it easy. I definitely agree. No, not sure it will be the majority, but especially with database as a service will be the majority. Maybe not, also maybe not today. We see a high growth of it, but it will become the majority for everyone. And and there will be users who want to use manage their own, and a large portion of it will be Kubernetes. Yeah, and I know you have your own cloud offering, your own database as a service, the Scylla Cloud. Is that where you're seeing? Like, have you seen the movement more towards that than you know the on-prem? Is that is that where you're seeing your trends? Yeah, but by far, so some of our kind of uh, the non-managed solutions, Scylla Enterprise or Scylla Open Source, some many times people manage it on their own but run on the cloud and, and sometimes they insist to run it themselves and it's it's fine we, we provide all of the options uh, but the, the fastest growing service of ours is Scylla Cloud which is a, a database as a service uh, so that's and indeed it, it makes sense because it's no matter how we'll, we'll simplify distributed database management there is still it's still complicated and you need to be aware, to, to wait for a node failures, data center failures. Recently, OVH burn, uh, had a fire in one of their data centers, oh, and, yeah, yeah. and we have a, a customer there that wasn't uh, nothing happened because uh, because Scylla is prepared to. But it's hard to get it right and to test it, and, and some people don't do backup at all. Some do backup, but don't test the, re the restore. So just buying something, especially for low scale. Uh, if you have a high scale, you may be able to have your own engineers who are going to manage it. But for low, low scale, it's, in, it's impossible for a, for, for a small company or a small project can be within a big company to invest all of the right time to make sure that their deployment is flawless. And it's just easier to buy from a service. Absolutely. Well, Jor, I wanna thank you for joining me today and we're, we're just about out of time. Um, I do appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Um, you know, you're, you've, you've been doing a, a great work over there. I've seen, you know, a lot of good press. I've seen, you know, a lot of users who use our products have also uh, tested yours. So. I'm really excited to see your growth and uh, congratulations on, uh, you know, pivoting and getting to the business where it is today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me and uh, also keep on doing great job with Percona. All right, will do.
Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.